Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation podcast, supplying you with the tools and insights to access your business's full potential. Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation podcast. I'm your co-host, Sean Mater. With me today is our other co-host, Chuck Rude. Chuck, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, so we're, we're picking up on part two of our conversation here with John Lynn. Yeah, the first one was about mentorship, what it looks like, and how to start it up either in uh, uh, accelerators or in your corporate environment. And this one is going to be about uh, ecosystem of innovation and what that looks like. Yeah, and this is the big thing I think that we're always wanting to drive home is that there is no answer that's going to fit every single person's set of conditions. So whether it's a big company or a mid-sized company or a smaller company, the whole point at the end of the day is what kind of structures will give access to the most touch points to come up with new ideas, new revenue streams, so that your people are thinking in a nimble, agile way and be able to create ongoingly as companies encounter more and more change. Yeah, it's about the the longevity of the organization. Yeah. So with all of that, there's always comes a bunch of risks and rewards and some of those things aren't as clear and so uh, one of the conversations that we're having today about how to build an innovation ecosystem kind of addresses some of those uh, pitfalls and some of those areas where people might hesitate in their progress to creating a really nimble agile innovative culture yeah and we definitely going to touch on the fact that there's a need and what that need might look like yeah and we should point out that we are in tribeca new york right now in a conference room at an accelerator. So you will probably hear some acceleration-like noises in the background from time <laughs> to time. So if that's the case, well, that's just, uh, that's just work being done. So let's bring John in here and we'll uh, get on with the conversation. Let's go, thanks. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Thank you, sir. All right, this is your second time back. And today we're going to be talking about how to create an innovation ecosystem inside your company. Uh, just for our guests who didn't listen to the first episode, just give a quick little uh, who you are, what you do, and why I'm bringing you in here because I know you're quite invested sure, in this conversation. Sure. Okay. Um, so first of all, of course, thanks for having me. Um, for everyone listening, my name is John Lynn. I am the uh, managing partner of a company called Sella. Sella builds accelerator programs in partnership with other groups. So that has meant in the past working with existing accelerator brands to help optimize their activities. But it's also meant working with investor groups, corporations, universities, and governments to help them build out and construct an innovation platform or an accelerator function. Now, at the same time, we've been able to do some unique work as well in bringing the innovation space together. So... Uh, we hold events and activations and create content that allows innovation programs to get into the same room, identify best practices, exchange resources, um, and really level up the space uh, in general. So our work on both fronts has been covered by Forbes and the NASDAQ, and we've been like, lucky to do uh, some speaking at some of the world's top universities and corporations. Great. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is how people approach innovation. 
people have all sorts of different understandings about what that even means, how to approach it. For they sure. think that maybe it's just about getting a new piece of tech or that it's something that is mystical. And the whole point of this podcast and the whole point of what you do is to, and our services is to demystify this process and really put the tools in the hands of companies who exactly. want to do this. Um, so when we're talking about creating an, uh, an ecosystem that really pulls for innovation, just to start to like give that a little more definition because it's uh, it can be a little slippery for people. They think about the consumer side. They think about it. Sure. Uh, so specifically when we're talking about a, an innovation ecosystem, what kinds of things are we talking about? And then we'll get into kind of how the, you know, what kinds of considerations would you take into account in order to figure out which pathway is best for you? Yeah. So, I mean, in the same way, in our last conversation, we identified mentorship as something that we all hear a lot about, but that doesn't necessarily have a tangible definition yet. Yeah, like agreed right? upon. Right, right. It's, uh, it's something everybody knows is important, but that not everybody knows how to do. Uh, and I think it's it's very appropriate then that we try to do the same thing with, with ecosystem development this time around. And uh, ecosystem is something that you'll hear in every conversation that services around innovation, especially when it comes to corporate innovation, which there is a ton of activity developing. And I mean, in the, uh, just in 2016 or 2017, I think it was a $23 billion industry. Um, so the, the, these are questions whose answers are becoming more and more important. So ecosystem is one of the terms that's joining the conversation as one of those important keys. And so for us, we're, we're beginning to spend a lot of time identifying not just what an ecosystem is, but what the business case for an ecosystem is. Why should it be a strategic priority for any executive team? to be thinking about how they're building a presence in an ecosystem. Um, and so we'll be very happy to talk about our experiences in those conversations and projects, uh, as well as our own perspectives on, uh, on what ecosystem is and how it works. Yeah, and a lot of this comes down to, like you said, the business case for all of this. So we can look at it from our perspective and, and there's a lot of self-evident stuff, but really when you make the business case for creating your, creating an ecosystem or putting yourself as a brand out there in the innovation ecosystem, well, A, it, it does take work. <laughs> it does take like an intentional strategy and structure to do that. For so sure. for somebody who's already overwhelmed and who's already dealing with a lot of other responsibilities, what is the business case for doing that? Yeah. I think it's it's a great question because it actually touches on why innovation itself is important. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the difference between how companies, corporations, products, and services are reacting to each other in the market now, it's actually less of a competitive landscape. And the challenge is being creative. So if I'm a new startup or if I'm a corporation and I see a startup that's coming up with a product or a service that might be competitive with mine or that's targeting my customers, the worst thing I can do is try to compete with it. Because by the time I've built out that product or that capacity or built that team, they will have pivoted and they will have done the next thing. So my challenge is not competing, it's creating the next iteration of what the market needs. And if that's sort of the category of challenge that innovation is addressing, then ecosystem is the best way to, to, to capture that. because. 
inputting yourself and putting your organization into an ecosystem of yes, internal and external participants and stakeholders, but also structures for relationship and communication that enable you to have continuous access to the best talent, the best skills, new sales, new technologies, is what everybody has to be doing in order to survive today. So to me, that's the most compelling reason that ecosystem is, is an essential element of innovation speed. Yeah, and, and what are some of the examples of people who you've seen execute on this? In, in ways that are really like, okay, they actually are thinking this through and putting in some great structures. Yeah, yeah. So there, uh, we're very lucky to have partnered with uh, the SAP NextGen team uh, here in New York City who have built one of the most impressive and, and impactful uh, innovation labs that, 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 that we've been a part of and, and, and it's where our office is. Uh, and, and happy to talk about the way that they've leveraged that community and that space to invite connection between their innovation, their uh, innovation network, and their institutional network. And then there's the SAP.io team, which is also in that same space, and that's SAP's accelerator function. And what they've done is leverage the accelerator model so that it can attract startups that they can not just support and help be successful, but that they can bring to market together. So this is a program that doesn't take equity, mm -hmm. uh, there's no fee, uh, there's no investment, they're, they're hosting space, essentially. Well, uh, up front. Yeah. But the outcomes of the program speak more strongly for its value because what will happen is for the Series A or B teams that come into that program, they are being ushered into SAP's ecosystem of internal teams. I mean, remember, some of these corporations that are thinking about innovation are themselves already ecosystems or ready to be that are just not connected. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so a program like this adds an... API layer or a connective layer between the startups and these other uh, departments and teams. And then on the other hand, there's SAP's customer ecosystem, which again is one of the largest rosters of enterprise corporate clientele in the world. And this program can help that get navigated. And so uh, there's potential for SAP to enter a startup's market or to divert its market towards the startup's market that is helpful for SAP. Um, and this is something that we're seeing across uh, different corporate approaches to innovation. So uh, one of our other favorite examples is Microsoft, which has a great uh, new startup program. The program, uh, what it does is invite startups uh, to apply to its database of, of Microsoft for startup partners. Startups that are in that database can then be visible to sales teams inside of Microsoft who can then say, I am going to take that startup's uh, product and I'm going to take it to my, my favorite customer or to my favorite client. And now there's a new instance of this sort of ecosystemic approach to creating twice the value or three times the value for these engagements. So. Um, those are some of the specific approaches I've seen to ecosystem development that, that, that I really appreciate. Ben, I'd like to ask you your opinion, because the way I see the market right now, there, there's kind of three different areas. So one area is what you talked about, large existing organizations trying to bring in startups that can help expand their ecosystem. There's also large organizations, so be it Verizon and... Um, 
a phone company, Ericsson, or somebody where you're two very large organizations trying to own 5G. Yeah. You know, coming together and trying sure. to capitalize on uh, expanding ecosystems to services yeah. that one doesn't specialize in. And then I see the other area being um, small, a bunch of startups coming together or relatively small companies trying to own something. And I see a lot of that happening in the, the, the expansion areas, be it uh, drones, you know, unmanned traffic uh, or unmanned um, aerial yeah. trying to own that space because it's not just a drone company, it's sensors, it's the aerospace companies. There's a lot of different players in that. And, you know, be it, they're trying to figure out unmanned traffic management systems. Mm. Like no one company can ta take all of that. They have to build the ecosystem of companies sure, sure. that come together to build all the competencies that are needed to manage that, that process. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how you see those, if you see a difference in those and how they're built or see how the engagements work. I mean, you called it right out. I mean, 5G is one of the best examples of not just innovation and technology at a corporate level, but something that requires a larger ecosystem to be bought in and activated for it to work mm -hmm. because the technology is the, just the technology. And, you know, you, there are even partnerships between some of these giant telecoms on 5G, as you also mentioned, yeah. um, because that ecosystem is so important. So um, the, the question then really becomes not why the ecosystem is important to putting that technology out, but how do you structure it so that there is reward and incentive and fairness in what everybody's participation is, mm -hmm. is awarding. Well, and that's where we get into, uh, oftentimes the obstacles become the perceived risk mm. of these collaborations, of including people. Uh, you know, you take a company that might have an internal IP or a technology, and there can be a lot of hesitation to expose that to an outside group of people. And kind of the, the examples you point to with SAP in particular, by exposing these companies to their internal processes, A, you, you have a culture in SAP that starts to now get more touch points and more ideas and more ways to connect their own services Absolutely. or ways to iterate and develop their current services. And they're also connecting these startups outward to new customers and, and new ideas and new ways that the startup could pivot that may or may not ever have a monetary kickback to SAP. And what you start to really discover is it really is the, the companies who are doing this best have to adopt a mindset of abundance here, which you know tends to be a little bit of a more personal yeah. development, hippy-dippy term, but that unless you can really uh, look at what are we willing to expose people to in order to create the conditions where we're going to have more touch points for ideation, more touch points to create new revenue streams, new business models, and actually give people space to create within this. I mean, those are the ones who ultimately find themselves doing best in the long term. For sure. And there's a little risk up front. There is a little bit, there is a little fear. There can be a little bit of uh, concern. So what are the risks and rewards in thinking about ecosystem development? Yeah. Um, and what is maybe not a... Uh, competitive landscape but 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 certainly a, a an ever-changing and quickly changing one and before i get into that i, I mean i do want to 
just sort of address the the, the uh, economy of abundance term. I mean, yep. I wouldn't call it hippy dippy. I think that's a very important term in understanding how the economy is inherently different today. And the first time that I heard that term was at TEDx in Brooklyn from Albert Wenger, who's the managing partner and co-founder of Union Square Ventures, which is the number one venture firm in uh, New York City. Uh, so I, I think it's certainly something that everybody should be taking seriously, as well as an important part of why ecosystems are so important. And so we touched last time a little bit on this, uh, right right at the end, but when you, you do think, think about setting up an ecosystem, I mean... You, you, you can think about doing that internally mm-hmm. between your existing teams and departments and trying to break down some of those barriers. You can think about creating an entirely external ecosystem where your company has a presence but isn't necessarily owning it in the strategic way that uh, you know Chuck earlier talked about, you know, 5G, right, where you're, you're sort of owning the supply chain and the, the, the sort of value chain for, for that technology. And then the third is somewhere in between where you're mixing up the internal ecosystem that you've created and the external ecosystem you've created. And that's where there are some difficult questions to answer. And why I think some of these approaches at SAP and Microsoft are so interesting because they're creating a channel, uh, not just for participation and visibility, but for real business to be done. and the risks in that, I, I, I mean, I, and I don't know how they're being addressed in, in these instances, uh, but, but the challenges are clear. Uh, there are property and technology and cash flow and customer and brand issues at stake. If I'm going to put forward my market as SAP to a startup, do I make that startup a part of SAP first and then go to my market so my customers are confused? Or do I help that startup go to market as itself and structure some other strategic participation for ourselves Mm -hmm. down the line? Um, If we are going to be putting our sales team on a product from outside of SAP, are we risking talent? Is there a danger that some of the individuals that we are allowing to sell this product are going to start a separate conversation with this startup and become a part of that startup instead yeah. of a part of, a, of, of, of who we are. Uh, so there's talent issues and then, of course, in intelligence issues, right? I mean, what kinds of work do we have to do on the back end uh, to make this work with our payment systems or with our existing technology that we're putting forward, right, as a prominent ar- uh, software ar- architecture? Uh, so the challenges are real. <laughs> And they have to be they have to be sorted out on a case by case basis. There, there's going to be no one size. There is going to be no answer that is going to no. apply to everybody's situation. Sure. Because and, and all you can do is look towards the rewards, which we haven't got to yet. Right. Well, and by the way, the costs are you're not competitive, and you become. An obituary yeah. in the business times. <laughs> That's uh, my, one of my uh, good friends. You, you guys might know him, Greg Larkin, mm-hmm. has favorite terms of the cost of not innovating. Right. Um, so there's there. The, the, I guess this is the the corollary, the, the cost of not ecosystemming. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, you've called out some of the costs um, there that there are there are risks that we've already talked about, but the the reasons to do it. I mean, speed, 
among them, um, you know, we've already we've already hit on a little bit, but there there are there are others, right? Um, there's brand equity that can be built inside of this other ecosystem that can help people that are technologists or creating new markets or creating new products and services see you as a participant in the way that they never would have thought of you before. And the, the value of that mindshare creates incredible opportunities around uh, future technology development, talent development, and, and some of the other you know, core, core company assets that we've talked about um, already. So I, what I'm hearing there is, is, is what I think is very interesting. So there's one is you can really keep longevity by investing in these ecosystems because you can change and pivot and start to act and as some smaller companies through having these ecosystems. So you can change the perspective of, of your customers on your company because of how you're doing. You can change the perspective of other organizations on your company, company from being a competitor to a collaborator. You can, you can start to really pivot and, and find drastically new opportunities by creating a larger ecosystem of, of, of your, where you play in the market. Um, I guess my question to you is what's, what's kind of the biggest barrier to doing this? Mm. I've heard you mention speed a few times. Yeah. You know, obviously it's the value proposition. Sometimes it's portfolio management, even just capacity to under, like take on a, such a large project yeah. or be able to have the strategy behind it. Or is it, you've talked about talent acquisition. Yeah. Like, is that a part of it? What, what do you see as the biggest challenge or are all of them are depending yeah. on the problem? Well, I, I, I think it kind of goes to this underlying back and forth where we're, we're developing here about, you know, the death of competition, the economy of abundance, the focus on longevity. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it's super important. You may have even answered your own question better than I can, I can do so right now by calling that term out because understanding the challenge being longevity and not stability is where the, the challenge, the challenge is, mm -hmm. right? So year to year at this point, I think 20% of the fortune 100 is cycling out. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So there will be, you know, twenty percent of that of those one hundred companies will be new entrants in the future, and so the goal can no longer be: Are we going to continue to be Fortune fifteen? Are we going to continue to be Fortune fifty? The cycles of growth and um, uh, and stasis are, are kind of unavoidable, given the mm -hmm. pace of just the raw pace of technology development and, and business innovation. Uh, so staying number one, it, it may be may may soon become a, a, a secondary concern to staying sure. in the game, yeah. right? And by situating yourself and in, in, in creating a systematic, um, uh, a well structured ecosystem around around the company is, is sort of the number one thing you can do to to create that foundation. So whether that whether you make the case for that in terms of Speed to market, speed to technology, speed to partnership, speed to talent acquisition or talent development. Uh, you know, we can we can point that wherever we need to to get it done in the organization. But the but the essential understanding is this is something that we need in order to be durable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I 
Well, and, we, and we talk about that a lot, like the agile organization. Mm -hmm. Well, you can be a number one company and grow and grow to the point where you're you're not agile anymore. You're not nimble. There's no way to respond to changes in the market, innovations, and all of that. So the larger company gets, the more difficult some of these changes are. And one of the things you and I have spoken about is we run into companies that are quote-unquote doing innovation, but what you tend to encounter is they've taken a kind of a lot of random actions and put in some structures where the actual innovation process itself has never been strategized. So if somebody's going to approach this conversation and really look at building their ecosystem from scratch, what are some of the first key considerations they'd want to, or the first key questions they'd want to ask themselves so that they know that if we're going to put this time, energy, and money in, we're actually going to get a return on this? Yeah, sure. Uh, super important. And that's you know, when we when we begin working with with some of our closest partners, where where we begin is, um, who do we want to engage with this activity, and what do we want to come out of it? What's the outcome, right? So, do we want to engage startups? If we want to engage startups, why? What's going to come out of that? If we want to engage talent and be attracting data scientists or blockchain developers or PhDs or whatever cool, what do we want to come out of that interaction through this ecosystem? Or if we just want to make more sales, right? And, or, or, or new partnerships, um, what are the outcomes associated with, with that? And, and, and you can really begin designing something very clear and robust by nailing down those two questions first. So in one of our first pro projects with um, uh, one of the nation's largest telecoms, um, one of our biggest projects, certainly, uh, we, we began by identifying that they wanted to work with more closely, create a new channel for engaging with high potential individuals. So graduate students coming out of their talent hubs uh, uh, from the business school and from the engineering school. And what they wanted to come out of it were a couple of things. One, new business ideas, new business models new products, and new knowledge, right? And so with those sorts of identifications in place, we were able to say, all right, well, that's ambitious. That'll be at least a five-month experience, and we're going to have to have uh, five different tracks of tech because you don't know if you should be investing in smart cities or in messaging or in VR or, 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 right? And th this process is, is really the bare minimum that, that, that we can put forward in order to really be compelling to somebody who's high potential, to really be deep about what we're learning, and to really be impactful about the products or the business models that are coming out. Um, and so ho hopefully you can kind of see how these two initial questions are helping lay the foundation for you know, what, what, what the innovation will look like. I was going to say, I'm curious, the two questions. Um, which one do you start with? That's a great question. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's a chicken and the egg. I think um, I like to think about who we're engaging because it helps me understand where this sits in the ecosystem. But if you think about the outcome, then the questions are a little bit clearer about why we're doing this and what we're designing for and how this will 
benefit us and or, or, or benefit our customers. Um, so uh, it's a very difficult question, Chuck, but yeah. that's my best. No, I, I question. I asked that because you you started with what you're going to do and then what you look at your outcomes is the way you phrased it. I've historically, not always saying it's right, but started with what, what would success look like? What are my outcomes I want? And then design how the design avenue backwards that. design right. backwards to how do I achieve that? Because if I come up and say students, maybe that is the best route to get those capacities up, but maybe it's not. So I'm just questioning that in terms of yeah. that, that using that, that's a great that scenario. Though. So yeah, because I don't know. I think it, it helps highlight the importance of a concept we got to, I think in the last uh, conversation is, you know, the history of tech and the history of business, it's, it, it's, it's been, the focus has been on the tech or on the mm -hmm. business outcome. But what we're seeing more and more is this focus on, on, the, on the people portion because sure. there's ambiguity around what tech is going to matter and what business is going to mm -hmm. work. And so I, I think that may be, without me having realized it before you asking me this question, why I, I go to who are we engaging first? And, and this is even you know, part of the case for the ecosystem because sure. if you can design around who or what kind of relationship you want to be engaging in, then that is closer to addressing the question of longevity than okay. what are yeah. we doing for the next quarter or, or, or trying to reverse engineer the sort of um, the tech piece of it. I like it, yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a good point too is that the conversation around this and ecosystem is more akin to planting a garden that's going to bear fruit after being cultivated than mm -hmm. a rush to solve a particular problem. And a lot of people want to innovate a solution to a particular problem that they have. And there's ways to do that. But that would be a finite way of kind of like looking at what's that problem? What are the things that we have at our disposal we can use to actually go solve that particular problem? When we're talking about ecosystem, we're talking about like how are you setting yourself up for a long-term success for a set of challenges that might not even have emerged yet? Sure. sure. And be ready to be responsive to them what when that's right. thinking yeah. about just what innovation is and how it's different than product or tech development, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we're identifying a gap in the customer experience, then creating a new product or service around that may be innovation. It may also be the role of a brand agency or creative agency in the past. But to your analogy of the garden, if we're thinking about, well, you know, do we have the elements for success, then that soil is the people and we need to figure out who who those people need to be and, and how we can how we can get in front of them and get them involved. So, you know, is that then innovation? I mean, maybe it's closer. Yeah. yeah. And the other uh, part we want to touch on before we wrap up here is that our examples of companies creating ecosystems at one level, you, know, you take your Microsofts, your SAPs, these are huge companies with, with a lot of bandwidth in order to put some structures in that are rather robust. If you're a mid-sized company, or you're somebody who doesn't have the pull inside your company to actually create something like that, there are some other 
lower tier ways for you to actually get a real great result, still engage your employees and really start to tap the best of your people and their knowledge base. So what would you say are some of the top ways um, for a small to mid-sized company to approach this this topic of ecosystem in a way that's actually tangible, low overhead, low uh, investment of actual mm-hmm. labor from their from their actual internal force? Yeah. I, I, also, what a great question. I think I think the the key there is closer to the cost of not innovating concept, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, we have maybe we have less bandwidth. We definitely have less resources. And uh, maybe a few other disadvantages as well. So if we don't have however many millions of dollars to begin sponsoring big startup events and create a brand that way, then what do we do? And then why do we do that thing? Um, and I think that the, the ability of somebody who's not a decision maker in the company, right, or who's at a mid-sized company and maybe is lacking some of these resources but has has this... A need is is a big part of the challenge to innovation generally because saying hey these are the pressures that we're facing we're 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 facing the fact that there are these new roles around you know we have developer evangelists at different companies we have heads of ecosystem at different companies we have heads of innovation we have heads of startup programming these are all positions that maybe even five years ago didn't exist no right. Um, how are we as an organization processing that and reacting to it? Because if we don't have these activities and we don't have a lab and we don't have a, a, a new tech, are we in a really bad position? And I think that kind of awareness can make it really clear, okay, there's a big cost to, to face if we, don't do the, if we don't do something. And then on the other end, you know, the real challenge once you've even identified that pressure that value proposition is the ability to tell that story and this is the problem not just when it comes to being the maybe junior visionary or the junior innovator but also when you be when you're a champion or an ally to a startup that wants to sell into your company and you like that team and you believe in their product and you think that it can be an opportunity for your company being able to understand what that startup or tech is, translate it so that the company understands it, and then uh, elevate it so that it can become a priority and get done is, is its own skill set that is also still developing. So I think it's also a key, key, key piece of, of your question is we, we need to educate people on how to do that and how to talk yep. about innovation in a way that, that, that is compelling for businesses. And we talk about like bringing in... like. Uh, there's some quick, easy ways to access some of those ideas. Ha- doing hackathons in a company, for instance, is something that it can be a service that you outsource. People come in. They're skilled in doing that. And you can actually really engage your own employees and reap some real rewards from it. There's things like we've got, you know, you could sponsor to participate in other activities or sponsorships for other companies and get yourself in the startup ecosystem. But then a lot of it is bringing in outsiders who can actually train your people up to how to be thinking in a more agile way, design thinking sure. techniques, then also how to storytell that and actually yeah. move that idea through the organization. That's Sometimes I think companies think that they don't have the ability to innovate because they're smaller. They don't have the money and the bandwidth of an SAP. But what you do have at your disposal is 
you're more nimble, you're smaller, you can actually train your people mm. in a way that the, the, the feedback loops inside your organization are actually shorter, so more results can be seen more That's quickly. Great point. Yeah, and, 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 and it's part of you know, the case that we make for taking on an external partner, you know, whether or not it's Sela, like Sela. Shameless is, plug for Sela. So what's that? We can do a shameless plug for Sela. I mean, that's <laughs> what we got to do. So, um, but, but, but it's true, right? Because if I'm that small team or even if I'm the big corporation, there's a big upfront investment in understanding what we're even missing. Mm-hmm. And if that's something that can be diagnosed and structured around and, um, and acted on um, in three months as opposed to, to 18, um, then that's a win. Well, John, thanks for coming in here today. Uh, how can people reach out to you? Best place to uh, find me is my inbox. So jfl at sella.nyc. All right. Thanks for being here. Two awesome conversations. We look forward to having you thanks back so here. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Great. If you'd like to learn more about our workshops or consulting and innovation strategy services, please visit us at evolutionofinnovation.com or email us at hello at evolution of innovation.com.